how could someone abduct not one, but two girls at the same time? My sister couldn't protect me. There was some boogeyman out there that would take both of us. There was no explanation. There was very little hope. Everyone knew about the case of the Lyon sisters. On March 25th, 1975, 12-year-old Sheila Lyon and her 10-year-old sister Catherine walked from their home to Wheaton Plaza Mall in Montgomery County, Maryland to see Easter decorations and get a bite to eat. They were never seen again. The disappearance of the Lion Sisters, the daughters of a popular radio broadcaster, shocked the nation's capital and led to a search for answers. The Lion Sisters have never been found, but later this year a man goes on trial for their murders. The abduction of Sheila and Catherine Lyon over 40 years ago has haunted this community. We're finally able to start answering the questions of what happened in April of 1975. But after more than 40 years, investigators still don't have all the answers about how two young girls could be snatched from what was then quiet suburbia. They're still trying to learn who robbed a family of its children and a community of its sense of security. I'm Neil Augenstein. This is The Investigation Continues, an investigative podcast from WTOP. Over the next five episodes, we'll examine the disappearance of Catherine and Sheila Lyon in March of 1975. We'll look at the clues and evidence that investigators pursued, and in some cases missed, as they searched for the two sisters. A search that resulted in an indictment for the Lyon sisters' murders, even though their bodies have never been recovered. A crime that upended a family and brought fear to all who heard the story. A story still in need of a final chapter. About a week after her daughters Sheila and Catherine disappeared, Mary Lyon invited Washington Star reporter Marianne Kuhn into her kitchen. She told her about what had been going on the day her daughters vanished. Well, they were on uh, Easter vacation, and Mrs. Lyon was drinking coffee, uh, as usual, and the girls had made, uh, a, you know, just cereal and toast. Mary Lyon, the mother, didn't want the girls to disturb their father, who was sleeping. Uh, he was uh, up all night doing a WMAL radio show. Um, so it was decided that their girls would go to nearby Wheaton Plaza. You'd never met the girls before, right? No, unfortunately, I never had met them. Um, but from what people told me, you know, they were both blonde haired and Kate, the youngest one, was sort of the silly one and the outgoing one, while Sheila, the oldest, was, was quiet. Well, Sheila was the cook and the honor roll student at Newport Junior High School, an artist, a bowler. She was just starting to take uh, babysitting jobs, and her secret ambition was to be a cheerleader. And Kate liked to garden, play volleyball, roller skate, read books, and run. They shared a bedroom with twin beds. It was um, quite feminine and beautiful with uh, uh, yellow walls and pink and white flowers on a vanity. There were posters above each of the girls' beds. Over Sheila's bed was uh, a poster of John Denver, and over Kate's was one of Loggins and Messina. And I remember there was a soft breeze coming through the window, and they had very sheer white curtains 
that were just stirring a little bit. And I thought how normal and beautiful this was. Sheila was wearing a navy blue sweatshirt and jeans. They were wheat colored and tennis shoes. And Kate had on Wrangler blue jeans, a bright, bright gold turtleneck and a red knit jacket and brown shoes. And so what was the plan for that afternoon? Well, Mrs. Lyon had suggested that they go to the Orange Bowl, and uh, that was one of the favorite places for the girls. Kate had complained that a slice of pizza used to be 40 cents, and now it's 45 cents. The girls were given an allowance uh, for doing different chores, and uh, Mrs. Lyon didn't give them any money to go up to the plaza. Um, And they had about $4 to go to spend on pizza and whatever. Sheila and Kate walked out the front door together, and they went down that the flagstone path that was there, out the chain link gate, and um, down a wooded path on the way to Wheaton Plaza, which was not that far from their home, a 10-minute walk. You wrote that it was really busy at Wheaton Plaza that day since it was Easter and it was a beautiful sunny day. A clerk at Up Against the Wall remembered that the sisters came in and looked around, At another store, Sheila had picked up a leather wallet and showed it to Kate. The orange bowl was packed that day. By the end of the day, they'd sold 2,400 slices. Their older brother, Jay, who was in ninth grade at the time, saw them over by this big Easter bunny display in the center of the plaza. And, you know, he walked past them and um, they saw him, he said, but they didn't talk to him. And it turns out he was one of the last people to see the girls. As you sat there that day with Mary Lyon, did you get the sense that she really believed that her daughters would be coming home? Yes, I do think they were hopeful. Um, In fact, Mrs. Lyon said that when the girls come home, Kate can get her ears pierced and Sheila can wear eyeshadow, and they'll get their Easter baskets that have been sitting by the fireplace. 16 before 11 o'clock on WMAL. Tom Gager with the four lads on a Wednesday morning in Washington. Wherever we go. We owned the city as far as radio went. WMAL was right then in the midst of its of its salad days of being number one in the market. Tom Gager was the midday host at WMAL. Sheila and Kate's father, John Lyon, was a popular personality there. Yeah, yeah, 10 before 1 o'clock, John Lyon, here from WMAL. It's almost better than... He was always very cheerful on the air. John is probably the most flexible broadcaster I've ever known. He could sing, he could entertain, he was a good disc jockey, and he loved to um, appear with his band. It's called the Gross National Product. I think it was four or five guys, and they did concerts all the time. We were all out in the community all the time. But that changed after March 25th. They told us that John's daughters had been kidnapped. That's all we knew. When word came out that Catherine and Sheila had gone missing, it sucked the air out of not just WML radio, but of the entire metro area, especially, of course, Montgomery County. At the time, Gary Reels was a reporter with WMAL. This was the first time anything like this happened. And the worst part about it, Neil, was it was so dark. It was so frightening. And there was no explanation for their disappearance. There was very... Little hope. What had happened to Kate and Sheila Lyon? Four hours after their daughters were supposed to be home, 
The lions were getting worried. They called the girl's closest friends and neighbors. Nobody had seen them. John Lyon picked up the kitchen phone and dialed 911. A dispatch went out to car 412 to get a report on two missing persons. Within 10 minutes, two Montgomery County police officers were at the front step of the Lyon home. As soon as the Lyons told him what happened, Officer James Machado said he could tell the Lyon sisters hadn't run away. He told a reporter he tried to soft-pedal his concern to console John and Mary Lyon. He told them even good kids are capable of doing strange things. The first time I heard about it was actually on the radio. In 1975, WTOP's Chris Corr worked at WMAL with John Lyon, who came on the air the next day. He had called into the morning show, the Harden and Weaver show, the most listened to show in Washington. And he was saying, look, I'm sure we're going to feel stupid about this. They probably told us that they were having a sleepover or something and we just can't remember. But I, I just, you know, if anybody knows where they are, you know, let us know, send them home. And at that point, I'm sure they were concerned, but they kept thinking, well, obviously we just forgot that they had this sleepover or something like that. While the Lyon family held out hope, Montgomery County police realized two young girls, 12-year-old Sheila and 10-year-old Kate Lyon, had disappeared. There were never any good, good evidence-based leads in this case. There was never any evidence back at Wheaton Plaza or anywhere between the plaza and the lion's home. You're looking in dumpsters, you're looking at trash cans to see if maybe the child's possessions, glasses, a purse, a clothing had been disposed of in that way. Clint Van Zant is a retired FBI profiler. He says the first hours after a child disappears are crucial. When you do an investigation like that, it's almost like a, a uh, target on a bullseye. You start at that very center of that target. In this case, the mall are where they were last seen allegedly walking down the street, uh, perhaps getting into a car. And then you take that bullseye and you start expanding away from the center of the target. And you move out a few feet and you move out a few hundred yards. And then you move out a mile. Then you move out two miles and you're expanding and expanding. It's just like somebody throws a rock into a pond of water and those ripples start going out. Well, that investigative circles have to start moving out too. Police knew that several people inside Wheaton Plaza had seen the girls there in the early afternoon. Sometime between 2.30 and 3, a man named James Mann was standing outside his home here near the corner of Drum Avenue and Devon Place, a few blocks from the plaza. He waved to the girls as they walked past and they continued toward McComas Avenue. This was the last confirmed sighting of Sheila and Catherine Lyon. Next time on The Investigation Continues. Police put out a composite sketch of a man in his 50s trying to coax girls into talking with him into a microphone. I'm Neil Loggenstein. The Investigation Continues is a production of WTOP. You'll find other episodes on WTOP.com, iTunes, and Podcast One. Thanks for joining. We'll see you here next week. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. 
And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Kristen here, reminding you not to do things. What I mean is, with same-day delivery for everything from gifts to groceries, you only have to do the things you want to do. To not do the other things, visit shipped.com. That's S-H-I-P-T dot